welcome to a very special bonus episode of The Lounge. I know the recording quality isn't that great right now. Um, it's actually really good on the episode itself, so, you know, that's good. Um, but I have Bree Sheldon on the show, and we're talking about his uh, Behind the Mask project. Kickstarter that's going on right now. So, uh, go check that out. That's Mask with a C. It's short for masculinity. Makes makes it makes sense. We have a great conversation. Um, there's feels. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I guess maybe it's just what you've come to expect here on the lounge. Oh, and you get new names at the end, so that's fun. <laughs> uh, actually, it's funny. So I followed you ages ago on Google Plus. <laughs> oh, okay. And it was um it was in relation to um uh I can't think of the product. So this might be the point where I would edit this. Um no threadbare. Okay, yeah. Um and I don't remember were you involved with Threadbare? No, I just did an interview with uh, Stephanie and promoted it a bit. Um, oh. Just as part of my, I, I'm a games journalist okay. is my um, most well-known role, actually, um, for Thoughty. I do a lot of interviews, and so I shared and promoted uh, stuff for Threadbare and as well as a bunch of other games. But, okay, yeah. I think I think I was just I was so excited about that. I was following everybody remotely involved with it. Um, and then there was a point where you, you came up in my feed and I read some of the stuff that you were writing about, uh, as far as, um, I just, just, I can't think of anything specific. Um, but, but it was, it was thoughtful and, and concise and interesting. And I was like, but then I realized like, I can't remember how I, how I followed this person. I don't want to be a stalker. Not going to be weird about this. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I've kind of followed you from afar. So then I saw the, the the email that you sent to Chris, like, "Hey, I want to talk about behind the mask," and I was like, "Yes, <laughs> I get to I get to talk to this person," um, and uh, and I'm very excited to. Um, awesome. Because you have a project. I also. Uh, I've noted that you've done interviews too, and I love to interview interviewers. So we'll probably have that conversation because I, I All right. that's one of my favorite topics. I had um, Alex Roberts on when she was promoting um, Starcrossed, and uh, that was a fun part of the conversation. So we'll we'll definitely tie that in. But um, but you're you're funded as of today as we're recording yes. this uh, for Behind the Mask. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Great. I'm really, really excited. I can imagine so. Like, that's got to be such a huge weight. Um, that's kind of like, I don't know. I haven't had a successful pat or a podcast. Um, I barely had a successful podcast. Um, <laughs> I haven't had a successful Kickstarter yet. Um, what's what's it? What's what goes through your mind? Like, like in that process, like, what's that feel like? 
So the the process of doing the Kickstarter itself has been extremely stressful for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not great at promoting my work. Um, and um, because of the nature of this project, like promoting other people makes it even <coughs> harder, right? Um, because we are a marginalized group. And so like raising attention of where we are and kind of targeting people towards us can be very nerve wracking. Um, and so like it, it's just been kind of a constant dig into my reserves to like promote every day and make sure I'm promoting in the right places and saying the right wording so we don't get targeted by people, but that we get keyword searched by the right people. And um, hitting the funding goal today, you know, was still, you know, seven, six days to go is, it's just completely amazing. Cause I had for a little while we had the lull that you get and I was genuinely worried it wouldn't get picked back up and that we'd not fund. And after all of the work that I've put in and all the cool ideas that we have on the table to be designed, you know, I've just really, I was desperately hoping it would make it. And so like having it finally, finally hit, like I, I just was, I'm super excited. I'm very scared because this is, you know, it's still a lot of work remaining to do. Um, but I, I want to see the best product we can from, you know, what we're investing into it. And, uh, having the funding is the only way that we can make it happen because now I can pay the creators that are contributing alongside me and, uh, you know, fund the printing and make this into the pretty, you know, in-hand product and digital product that we wanted to. Right. And I mean, that's, it's, it's kind of like, it sounds like you're at that point where it's like, okay, yes, now the work begins. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> it's like um, we still have a rule that, you know, um, we we don't start actual hardcore design until contracts are in hand, mm -hmm. um, which happens when the campaign completes. Basically, I'll hand out contracts to everybody. Um, but that's, you know, to protect them in case, like, for some reason we were to have a whole bunch of people drop out and the backing would go below the goal and stuff like that. Um but uh, that way I can be like, yes, I will pay you money for sure for your time and energy. And um, once we do that, it's going to be we're planning to fill by uh, end of September. So I'm really excited to see how the, the process goes. Um, and that's like printed and, and out the door to everybody in that time period. That's fantastic. That's that's such a that's such a um, a quick turnaround. Um, but you've got professional, I mean, I've seen, I've seen who you're working with. So it's, it's yeah. also like, that's a quick turnaround for consummate professionals, you know? The, oh, well, it's not as quick a turnaround. I, or, I mean, I mean, like the thing is, is some of us, some of us are more experienced. Some of us are newer. Um, but the thing is, is we're all working on projects that are bite-sized mm -hmm. for, the time period, like I didn't want anyone undertaking something massive. And one of the biggest requirements was, can you do this in a less than two month turnaround? You know, can you have a design product for me? Um, and everyone has, you know, agreed to that and said that they can do it. So um, plus I'm going to be mentoring kind of in that role for anyone who happens to need support. Not only are we doing collaborative work together, like we talk on our discord together about the design we're doing, you know, get advice from each other and stuff like that. But I also will be, you know, willing to be doing like one-on-one -on -one sessions with people to work through 
any design problems and stuff because I've been doing game design for uh, half a decade now, mm-hmm. about a little bit more maybe. And um, I've worked on a variety of things, which makes it easier for me to support people in different projects. That's that's such a great resource to have too. I so I've I've never called well. Uh, Alex Roberts, as I mentioned before, told me that I have to call myself a game designer because I've designed games, um, but um, and I've published games, so that's the big thing. But I've never I don't really think of myself as a game designer simply because I don't. <sighs> I'm not good on the follow-up and stuff like that, but when you have somebody there as a support system, um, it changes the whole dynamic and it changes the whole dynamic for the person giving the support, getting the support, everybody involved, you know, can, can work off each other, um, which is amazing. And, uh, and I love that, that, that you've built that into, your your uh, your process automatically because it's not something i mean i think maybe it's something that people can get more often but there was a long period of time where it was, where it was like you know this is mine I don't know. nobody touch it perfect the way it is I'm like, well you misspelled there oh <laughs> fine um now i wanted to i mean i want to get into to to what it's all about one of the things I want to talk about is making sure everybody gets paid because that philosophy for me is as, as a comedian and writer and, and game designer of let's not get into numbers, but a lot of years. Um, <laughs> it's a completely alien philosophy that you pay people for the work that they do for, you, you know, like that's, that's a, that's a, a new thing. And, 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 and I see it all over the place and I, I love that, that, that that's, that's a thing. What, what's changed, <laughs> I guess. Well, so like when I came into the game industry, I started off, um, I got a project with a more traditional company and, um, I didn't get a contract until after I'd done all my work mm-hmm. and it was paid on publication and it was a really not great contract. And I will probably never get the money from that work. And yeah. we're talking, I think eventually I got up to like 11,000 words that I wrote for these people. And after that, you know, I became a little bit obsessive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I work in, I do game editing, I do game design, I've done just writing for games. And to me, the biggest possible problem is not paying people. I don't like pay on publication. I like either half up front, half at you know the end or all up front. And that's really rare, but sometimes it happens and it's amazing. And I like paying people a fair amount per word, you know, because <laughs> it's absolutely shameful sometimes whenever I see how much people get paid in the games industry compared to what people get paid out of it. And especially whenever I try and calculate it into being compared to minimum wage. Like I have done, I've done like jobs for like a, a cent and a half a word for writing and game design. That's robbery. <laughs> it, it was obscene. And I never actually ended up getting the money because it was that like really bad contract, right? 
but other people have offered that kind of thing and I've done three cents a word I've done as high as eight cents a word though and those were always the better projects because I knew that I was actually going to be able to afford to pay my internet bill kind of thing you know um, and like even as an editor I I pretty partially push for high editor pay because you know without the work that we do some games would not succeed um, and uh, especially with marginalized creators I can't get I can't get around the idea of let's make these people do this work and not pay them regardless of what the work is it doesn't matter how small or how big if you say just to be considered for this project I need you to write me you know hundreds of words and say, you know, here's your creative energy and give that to me and I'm not going to pay you. That to me is unfair. And so I asked people for pitches, but I didn't give them a required length or anything like that. And then I said, you know, I'm not going to ask you to work on this stuff until I can promise you I will pay you. And um, I had up until a couple of months ago, I had a job like that was outside of games like that I got paid money for and everything mm -hmm. and I was like I'll probably be able to like pay people in piecemeal pieces even if like we can't do the Kickstarter right but um, I uh, am having trouble recovering from a head injury and I had to leave my job at the school whenever I graduated and I had to leave my other job because it was an, not a great environment for a queer person and um, I was like, hey guys, <laughs> like I can't pay you money. So don't work on this unless it's just for fun, like unless you're enjoying doing it. And and whenever it funds, then we will set up contracts and I will pay you the money and then you can do the work and we'll go from there. Um, but yeah, it's, it was a it was a hard thing to realize that I, I almost canceled the project because I was like, if if I can't promise you these funds. I don't want you putting effort and time into it. Um, and uh, it it took a little bit of soul searching to give myself the confidence that we could get the money through the crowdfunding, right? Because it's such a niche project. And once we did, then I was like, okay, we can we can get this money, right? Like <laughs> now we can look at working. <laughs> we can finally promise that maybe work will be done. But um, I have a lot of confidence in the in the creators to make something like really amazing and beautiful. And I don't think I could ever ask them to put the energy into it and give it to me without promising them and guaranteeing them funds. Um, we all got to live, right? Food's important. I mean, that's, yeah. You know, nobody, nobody wants, no, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but it, it, I feel like anybody that wants money for money's sake is, you know, missing the whole point of it. Like <laughs> we, we need the money. That's right. All the things that we need to survive are, are, you know, from the money. And, and it's, you know, I can't tell you how often um, I ran into similar situations, editing, especially I, I, I edited, you know, I've edited uh, uh, half novels for like $80 total. Um, yeah. And, um, I mean, this was a while ago, but, um, I, it, it, it's almost like environmentally though, things have changed. And, and, and I, mm -hmm. I say that because I've been doing improv comedy for almost 20 years. Um, and when I started out, 
you know, I was the one trying to book these, these deals. And it was like, you got to pay a thousand dollars for the room and you get half the door and I get all the drinks, you know, all these club owners. That was like the deal. And it was like, it was, you know, skiing uphill. Um, yeah, it was, it was very unfun. And then, um, about a year and a half ago, uh, club owner came to us and said, Hey, um, you know, you want to, you want to try a show here? Half the door. I'm like, wait, what? How, what do we pay you? No, don't, don't worry about paying me. You know, we'll give you some rehearsal space before the show and then you can take the half the door. I'm like, okay. Um, and we killed and we filled the room. And, uh, and that has been our home as a group ever since. And he's been very successful. We've been very successful and we're getting yep. paid. <laughs> you know? it's yeah, a I think it, it's like that kind of thing where people sometimes think that paying the people who work for them, um, the, the attitude that I'm familiar with is common in a lot of places around where I grew up where like capitalism is, you know, hardcore. Mm -hmm. Um, the attitude was kind of like, you only paid them because you like had to. Yeah. Um, and like the pay didn't do anything to change their work. Whenever like, so I studied leadership in uh, college. I got my master's degree in leadership and um, a bachelor's in organizational leadership. So like I've studied things like theories of motivation and the fact that whenever people are paid better, um, not only are they happier, but they also, you know, can eat and therefore are healthier and can get safety and security. And so they have more energy and are confident in what they're doing. And um, I think that's slowly being learned out. But I'm not seeing it in enough places that I feel comfortable. <laughs> like um, I whenever I look for work, I often, you know, know that there are people who are just like, I'm just going to eke out whatever dollars like I feel I, I want to give out. Not like, can I pay you enough for you to be able to help be healthy enough to do this work? Right. Um, as a disabled person, like right right now, I don't have health insurance and I live in the U.S., you know, and I currently both my husband and I are unemployed. Um, we're only working in games, basically. Um, and on our own projects, like my leading with class project, which is teaching leadership with games and stuff like that. But we, we don't have anything. So if people don't pay us money, we aren't living our best to do the work. Sure. And, and that's like, not everybody has that attitude. Right. And so I, I think that there's a little bit of a change and I'm hoping it continues to grow. Um, I, I think it, it's it's harder sometimes, um, depending on your environment and your background, um, whether you get get the lucky people, you know, who treat you that way and who want to pay you well enough to live. Um, but it's it's slowly changing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not some massive sea change that's like, oh, well, you know, people are getting paid for for the work that they do instead of, you know, whatever pittance. It, companies are like, like corporations are the worst too, because it's like, you know, oh, yeah. you're so lucky. Like, I feel that way about my day job. You're so lucky to be here. Like, am I? Mm -hmm. Cause <laughs> I don't really feel that way. Um, before I, I was doing what I, what I 
do now, I was, you know, I, I was running a department at a startup and I was helping to build something. And now it's like, I just, you know, train people on software that they're probably paying too much for. Um, <laughs> full disclosure. Yeah. You know, and it's like, <laughs> like, and then the company's like, aren't you, aren't you, don't you feel lucky to be here? Not, not particularly, <laughs> to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, so, so it's, it's amazing that when you're, when you're looking at a project like this, cause you've mentioned that it's niche, you've mentioned that it's, you know, a smaller project and everything, but that you're so focused on making sure that people are paid. Um, and I'm a big believer in, you know, you do it and show, show your work and show the example of this is what this looks like when this is done right. And somebody will take notice. Um, and then eventually somebody will take notice of them and, you know, and they'll tell two people and they'll tell two people. Is that how that works? <laughs> <laughs> That's supposedly the way it goes. <laughs> um, but but this, it's it's such a great philosophy. And I just wanted to spotlight. I just wanted to, to have a, have that uh, part of our conversation today just because, um, you know, <laughs> let's highlight it. Maybe somebody listening to this will be like, hey, that is a good philosophy. Let me Let me pay these people. Now. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that because that that was something that was really important to me with the project as, you know, someone who has been a designer and who has, you know, not been paid and who has been a designer and been paid and knowing how much that influenced my work and my happiness and like just living um, right now and knowing like personally I'm in a really bad spot and knowing that these people that I'm hiring might also have those. I'm not going to ask those questions, but they could have those. Mm -hmm. And how much of a jerk would I be if I didn't let them get paid? Right. Right. I, that, that, a, a huge jerk. I know it was a rhetorical question, but you'd be <laughs> a huge jerk. <laughs> and you're not. Yeah. You're, you're cool. So, you know, um, I, I also especially knew you were cool because um, I just had um, – uh, Tracy on it, Tracy Barnett. And, oh, Tracy uh, is amazing. Oh my God. And uh, they're, they just hit with um, Ironetta accelerating. Mm -hmm. um, so that project is, is moving forward. And we talked a lot about that. And uh, I, Tracy is another guest I could have talked with hours and hours with. Um, maybe, maybe I can just talk for hours and hours with anyone. And that's, I just have to accept that. But um, let's, so, so let's talk about just the, the, the whole project, the project as a whole, like, how did this come to you? Like where, what, what is this and where did it, where did you come up with it? So behind the mask is really, um, I wanted to do something that focused on, uh, like nonsense, gender, masculine people. And the real reason why um, I talked about this actually on the Modifier podcast a little where I was like, I just got angry. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do a lot of stuff because I see a problem and need to fix it. That's just a kind of belief and feeling that I have. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, uh, I'm, my gender is uh, gender fluid, non-binary masculine. So I'm a non-cisgender masculine person. 
I was assigned female at birth. So like I come into this with the uh I'm I'm the kind of person who seems to have given up on femininity, right? Like <laughs> I am um, I'm masculine against the indications that you should be masculine, basically. Okay. Um and um I saw some promotions coming up for like uh asking for submissions from women and um femme non-binary people and stuff like that and sometimes they don't always say femme but they imply it pretty strongly mm -hmm. um and there was no real space or recognition for non-cis mass people in in these things and i see it so rarely mm -hmm. um like there's so few places that say you're a you know masculine person but you know not going to get the privilege of a cis man so you know come and benefit from these you know recognition or highlights um and and it it's hard <laughs> it's it's a little hard um i actually noticed a drop off in how much i got recognized by people for things whenever i came out as masculine um and it hurt a lot um and so like trying to trying to cope with that and like seeing this made me you know i put out a survey i was like hey you know are you a non-cisgender masculine person in games like do you design games or like make art for games or whatever and people sent stuff in and i was like i want a way for us to all work together and make something so why don't we do this zine right and talk about masculinity through our perspective and how it's good and how it is good, you know, like, um, and like people responded really well and, and said they wanted to participate. And so we went from there basically. Um, so I got a little bit mad um, yeah. about something that I think is a really big issue where we're as, you know, not cis guys and not feminine people, we get erased um, and short, shorthanded um shortchanged a little bit yeah. and so i wanted to try and change that and uh, that's i i that is good <laughs> i'm not saying that is good i'm saying good i'm glad you i'm glad that you know anger motivated you to do something <laughs> like this because um, anger can be a great motivator. It's not always a great motivator, but it can be a great motivator and it can drive things forward in really cool and, and fundamental ways. Um, I, first of all, uh, let me preamble this by saying, uh, you are allowed to swear on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but also, uh, is it okay with, are you okay with swearing? Yes. Okay. So who the yeah. fuck cares however you identify yourself, if your work is good, like that's the fact that the idea that, that you saw less recognition after coming out drives me nuts. Like, uh, okay. I don't think people realize that they did it. Um, okay. And, and like, I don't think it's a conscious thing all the time. While I do think that there are people who consciously, are biased against masculinity and masculine people with some justification, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm always super on board with that. Um, <laughs> um, a, a lot of the time people either assume that um, people who are masculine 
benefit from um, these same things as cisgender masculine or, or men, um, right. or they assume that they're some kind of traitors, um, which is like a vibe huh. that I've experienced before, because some people truly believe that masculinity is bad. Um, and it's not super common, but it's sometimes they're the people who kick off like recognition events for marginalized people, right? Right. Because, you know, stuff for survivors and things for people who are, you know, experienced marginalization and everything. Um, if you choose masculinity, right? As though that's something like we get that choice to do. Um, if you choose masculinity, whenever masculinity is bad, then obviously like you should be dealing with your stuff on your own, right? Um, I think a lot of trans mask and trans men, um, they trans mask people and trans men do this. They deal with people who think that they kind of ditched <laughs> effectively. Um, and um, if they didn't, uh, if they didn't look hard enough, like a lot of people looking at them might say that they benefit from masculine male privilege, but we don't like none of us really get that vibe. I mean, even even people who are assigned male at birth, as soon as they um, become non-binary, gender fluid publicly and acknowledge that, or even if they behave in that way, a lot of the time they experience the same kind of quiet biases um, and overt biases that other trans people do, other non-binary people do who may or be femme or just straight androgynous or whatever that may be. And um, I know that it affects people in the games community. Yeah. Like I can see it. And so whenever I was graduating, I realized I would have the summer off basically. And I was like, why not be busy? Because that's what I do. Um, and I decided to do this project to try and gain some recognition for some of these people who I know deserve it. Yeah. But whenever signups for things only ask for femme people or women or regular non-binary people, but things are pink or, you know, framed femininely, mm -hmm. it can make us feel left out. And I, I feel like sometimes people think as soon as you have mask attached to you in any way, you don't need help. And some of us do. Like, we really benefit you know we could really benefit from the support of the community yeah. and we don't always get that well it's it's almost as if there's 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 people who have a hard time differentiating conscious or not between masculinity and toxic masculinity you yeah there those are two different animals <laughs> um, yeah and yeah uh, and toxic masculinity is a total thing like it really is a problem 100%. That I think is legitimate, yeah. but there are positive things about masculinity and we don't choose to be masculine, but we have to find the good in it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I I don't know. It, it's something that sits with me really hard. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that the conversation kind of gets kicked off by this project because I want to see the good in masculinity. I want to focus on that and grow it instead of just talking about how we should erase it. Right. Like, Right, like like don't 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 burn down a structure before you see if it has anything worthwhile as part of it, you know. 
right. maybe there are parts that are that are problematic. Um, I mean, I would, you know, I, uh, I I'm not trying to <laughs> start a whole kick off a whole other conversation, but I would say say even those individuals who are generally, you know, I, and I, I say general probably almost always, but you know, I don't want to be. Um, I don't want to put everybody in that corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be absolutist. That's a good word. Um, but uh, but I think that that those individuals who are talk who who exhibit toxic masculinity are almost always uh, uh, cisgendered, hetero, male. Um, and I also would would say I think they also need help. Mm-hmm. If they receive it. No, maybe <laughs> like, like the likelihood of them receiving it is no, but I think that, I think that, you know, there has to be a, a degree of understanding that, that there are people who exhibit masculine traits that, that do need help, that do need, you know, some degree of support. Um, yeah, I mean, like we don't, there are plenty of masculine people and plenty of people who, you know, practice masculinity as part of their identity. Um, they may not have access to everything. Like we have intersections of privilege and everything. Right. Um, and especially with non-cis mask people, there's a veneer of privilege, I think, where people think, oh, well, people might assume you're a guy, so you'd get the benefits a guy does. And it's just not the same thing. Right. It, it really isn't. Right. Like, it doesn't matter how masculine I dress up and everything. I will get misgendered. I will get treated like a less valuable person. And I know that those are problems with how people treat femininity, but that doesn't erase the fact that we exist. Right. Right. It's, yeah. I mean... It's such a I I feel like I'm navigating very treacherous waters for me <laughs> because of the way I, I identify, um, you know. But like, there's there's the privilege that goes along with boy. This is, I, these are uh, they're shallow. There's many stones. Um, I'm. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get through to my point without, without feeling like I, I, I shouldn't, and I'm having a hard time with that. I mean, I would say part of what I was getting from what you said a moment ago is that, you know, even if you're a cis guy, like there are things that you will need help with mm-hmm. and, you know, there's positivity in masculinity. And if we focus on uncovering that, and making that to be the more accepted norm Mm -hmm. and instead starving out the toxicity and teaching away the toxicity Mm -hmm. um that will start affecting you know the balance of privilege i think a lot yes um and i mean intersection of identity covers things like class whenever you're you know a white guy you may still not have money and stuff like that so people are complex Right. <laughs> right. And uh, and one one axis of privilege may be huge and significant that like white cis guys can tend to have. Um, 
but that doesn't mean they can't benefit from learning. Um, and I think some of the way that we can try and do that is by providing stuff like Behind the Mask, where we talk about what positive masculinity is and model these behaviors and like understand this. And instead of just, I don't know, maybe the approach being to push things away. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and I think that there's this degree of, of you know, if you, if you identify as masculine, um, you, you, there's, that's, that's the, the only expectation that you have. Um, mm -hmm. you know, one, this is, this is different than, than identification, but, um, I think, I think with most of the people that I encounter in life, it's kind of tied in with it is, 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 um, gender and sexuality, which I know, I know they're two different things. Um, uh, mm -hmm. but, but it's not always the case. And, uh, right. I, the example that I think of is when um, uh, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger took off his shirt in in, uh, in Black Panther. I'm, mm -hmm. I identify as heterosexual. I'm married to a beautiful woman, um, but I leaned over to her and I said, "I'm not gay, but nobody's not that. Nobody's that not gay." And uh, <laughs> and she told that story to people, and they and like. You know, there were men who were like, what? That's a, what a weird thing to say. I'm like, did you see him? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, the uh, unwillingness to um, acknowledge that there is aesthetic beauty to a man whenever you are a man. Yeah. It's one of those, like, kind of toxic things. And everybody has their preferences, right? I would never tell anyone that they have to be gay or they have to be straight, right? Right. Um. But I think that uh, I think that that's one of those areas, so like the willingness to flex on what you think is beautiful and everything without being, oh, that's that's gross or that's weird or no homo kind of nonsense. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I I loved that scene in the theater. Oh, I mean, it was great. You know, listen to anybody who has who has argued with me or pushed back on that. Um, and there have been a few, I'm like, did you, did you watch the movie? Did you see him? Cause it's, <laughs> you know, I come on. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think that that's, um, I love, I love that idea of being able to explore the facets of that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's something I don't think about. I, I focus a lot on toxic masculinity because I encounter a lot because the expectation is that I'm part of it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we mentioned that before we started, I mentioned that before we started recording, but it's a, it's a, it's a true thing. And it's like, you know, and, and, and there's a part of me that I think that there will come a point where we're, we have to realize that these guys who are just so angry, so, so, so bitter um, that they're, they're, uh, Oh, my favorite quote of, of, 2018 i've been repeating it a lot doesn't come from 2018 is um from the uh from the point of view of privilege equality looks like oppression yes something like that yeah i i may be misquoting it um and i think that there are a lot of of men who um i'm i'm gen x um mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, I personally, I've never had a ton of hope in my generation um, because I have heard grunge music. Um, but, <laughs> um, boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some tweets on that one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the... Like I, I see those in my generation who are who are offended by, you know, um, what they see as as a repositioning of of maybe the fulcrum of the world into something that is not them. And it's like, you know, when I hear people say things like, "Well, where's the white Black Panther?" Oh, that's movies. <laughs> that's every other right. movie. You know, right. have you gotten at all anybody responding to you with with, with, uh, with this project? Like, you know, hey, where's mine? <laughs> we have not actually, at least not to, to me or on the Kickstarter or anywhere I posted, okay. which I mark myself as very grateful for. Yeah. Um, I do think some of that has to do with being masculine, and not feminine. I think if we had been a feminine project, there would have been a lot more very vocal resistance because that's a thing. Mask people tend to fade into the background. Feminine people tend to get a lot of people angry at them. Interesting. That's uh, it's been what I've witnessed on projects and stuff, um, being an interviewer for projects for ages, you know. Um, and like we've we haven't encountered a lot of resistance. One thing that I did have that was kind of funny that came up. <laughs> My parents are quite religious, oh. um, and they're generally pretty cool about it. Um, I only came out to them earlier this year, and um, like they knew I was queer, they knew I was polyamorous, but they did not know that I was non-binary, and they had no idea what non-binary means. Mm -hmm. um, but I came out to them, and it's been a very slow and complicated process. They're pretty good about it, but they, you know, they're new. Sure. Um, but I was over at their house and they were talking about how like they haven't shared the links to um, my project. And I apologize. I'm getting a little bit teary-eyed about this That's because okay. it's something that actually is important to me, but it's really hard. Um, they haven't shared the links to my projects like they would my other siblings' work because a lot of their followers are Christian and... Um, they're not really comfortable with the um, attitude that they may receive. Um, some of the people that my parents are close with, some of the people who they work with professionally um, are very uh, religiously conservative in a way that would be anti-transgender, anti-non-binary. Oh. And um, I really appreciate that my parents recognize this and you know that they made the choice to keep us safe you know, by not sharing this and drawing attention negatively like that in a space where they knew it wouldn't be safe. Um, but it was really, like, it's been kind of sitting with me because this is, like, Friday night, and I just keep on thinking back to how, like, my parents knew there's this entire group of people that they associate with and choose to associate with that don't think that I deserve to exist. Yeah. And so... That's been one of my greatest fears with promoting the project is what if I share it somewhere and we get this backlash and I'm like, so I've been trying to protect the other people on the team too, because not all of them have 
that I know of, like guaranteed good support networks. Like I can't say I know that they can handle this. I don't want to take that risk. Um, so I've been, I haven't promoted the project as much as I probably could have. Um, it took me a lot of courage to even ask to get on podcasts because there are people out there who hate us. And while they haven't said anything yet, the other shoe is always waiting to drop. Like it could happen any day. It could happen now, you know, and I got suspicious because some of the backer names looked weird. So I'm worried that they're going to be people who are just trying to crash the project at the last minute because it's, you know, for marginalized people. So mm. no one said anything yet, but that doesn't mean that I don't have nightmares about it. That's, um, uh, it's very valid. Um, I'm, <laughs> you don't need to apologize for crying. I'm crying a little bit myself. So, because, <laughs> I'm sorry. so no, that's okay. It's okay. Um, you know, that's, that fucking sucks. That just, you know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It, I, mm. um, I, I would like to think that anyone listening to this would, would be open-minded about it. Um, you know, I hope so. I, 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 I know that we have an audience and I know that we have an open-minded audience and, and, you know, um, and I tell them I love them, you know, every few episodes or so. So hopefully they get that. Um, but, um, wow. And that's, and that's so, that's so new. I mean, that's so, that's, that's such a new recent. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh man. I, you know, I, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's good of them to be able to, to admit that to you. Yeah. But I think, I always think that that, that illustrates maybe, maybe that they need to change the spaces that they're in if they can have that conversation. You know, I, I, it, I don't want to, yeah. I, I don't, you know. Yeah, my, my parents are still so new to this part of things. Like, my dad only literally, like, a year or two ago stopped saying the F slur all the time. Like, and the thing is, is he never really thought that it was being hateful. He just, you know, that's just how he was raised. Mm -hmm. And um, he's changed a lot. Um, and so has my mom. Both of them have in regards to queerness and everything. Um, and, like... I, I had like a whole discussion at one point with some people about how my dad started working in a more diverse workplace, like with people of different ethnicities and stuff like that. And now he suddenly is like 90% less racist and it's like awesome, but they're new to this stuff. Like it, it sucks that they are to a degree, you know, but like they are learning still. And, you know, I think they're learning that they're, church and everything um people are less accepting um 
but they also live far away from the city. There's not a lot of options for them for certain things. So I understand that there are restrictions um, for how they can, you know, gain their social and spiritual needs, which I respect. Um, so like, it's complicated, but it was really hard. Like, I appreciated they acknowledged it, but it was just like, this is exactly the kind of thing I've been afraid of, like people being unable to promote it because it's, you know, oh no, this queers, you know, like, yeah. so, yeah. but yeah, that's been the big thing. It's like, there hasn't been a reaction really, which is great in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, but I still, I'm so afraid of it. Like, and I can't kill that fear no matter how hard I try. So it's been, uh, it's been something else. And then talking to my parents on Friday when they said that, like, really just hit me in the face because like, that was like one of the biggest things I was afraid of is like, I wanted them to share it, but what if they shared it and their friends and associates just went like transphobes on them. Right. Right. And Oof. I was kind of happy at least that they knew to look for it. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's my approach, my personal approach is, I think is, is, is different than a lot of people I grew up with simply based on for whatever reason I was raised, um, I was raised Catholic and then Mormon. Oof. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, neither no one, offense, that's just a lot. <laughs> no, that's uh, it, neither one particularly took. Um, but mm -hmm. um, like, there was something that that in uh, you know either and and um, uh, I I've always kind of said there's just something pre-built in that you know doesn't take anything on on pure faith alone. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I have to encounter something or, 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 you know, it's hard to explain. <laughs> and this isn't, yeah, this is a podcast about you and not about me. But um, what I wanted to say was, even though my mother was, was Mormon and, and I had already uh, left the church. Um, and if we have another conversation, I'm happy to tell you that story. Um, but uh, I, I, I had left the church, but my mother was still Mormon. Um, when a friend of mine in my high school in the early 90s, um, who was the only out gay person in my high school, um, needed a place to stay because his parents kicked him out of the house, mm -hmm. my mother, without question, offered us up. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how my parents are. They're okay. quite generous people. I think a lot of religious people are very generous, very caring, and there are thankfully a lot fewer uh, bigoted religious people than there appear to be. Mm -hmm. um, but that is, you know, one of those demographics that can put people like me at risk. So yeah. um, it says a lot to like how you can advertise to your audience. I think whenever you're doing like people would think a game project, you just advertise to whoever. But as soon as you put, you know, hey, we're non cisgender people, mm -hmm. kaboom. <laughs> it's like yeah. all of a sudden a lot of risk. So. Well, I, I, you know, but it's every time I talk to somebody who is taking risks like you are, 
I can't help but think of how many fewer risks people 20 years from now might have to take. You know, it, it might be the Hopefully. kind of thing where, where, you know, you're laying the groundwork for people being able to just understand that this is the way life is, you know. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it changes because I'd like to see more projects like Behind the Mask. Yeah. Like a lot. I, as would I. Um, and now, so you, so your project specifically for Behind the Mask. Um, not to, not to kind of get off that. I mean, that's a heavy topic. I'm, yeah. Sorry about that. That happens okay. when I'm on podcasts. That's okay. <laughs> One of the things I told my wife when I started doing the lounge was, um, I wonder when it will be the first time I shed a tear on, on, on my podcast. And uh, oh. today was the day and, uh, it was, um, I'll always remember it for um, because oh. it meant a lot. Um, so, <laughs> But um, it's uh, hmm. um, but I you know I do want to talk about your your project specifically. Yeah. Um, if if you're ready to, if you want to take it. Oh yeah. You can. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so behind the mask, uh, obviously, is um, about masculinity, and um, one of those things is uh, one of those things that's like kind of hard for some of us to achieve by perception. Um, and there are a lot of archetypes uh, in history that are perceived to be masculine too. So perception is really relevant to um, my project as well as others. And um, the specific one that I'm doing. Uh, is an original game. It's an audio text game where there will be an audio recording and a text version of it that are to be used together. Um, and um, the game is uh, supposed to be kind of jiving off of the hero's journey because um, the archetype I chose was the hero. Mm -hmm. And um, you are traveling through caverns underneath the hills because the fairies have stolen your joy and you need to get it back. Um, and the mechanics of the game are really different. <laughs> um, you will uh, be mimicking back um, audio recording of vocal exercises um, to be uh, basically the locks and um, to, to undo the locks and dispel illusions that are put in place by the fairies to trick you, mislead you, and keep you from your joy. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, wait. So, as you're... I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. Um, okay, so it's a single-player single, pl single game. Yeah. And you'll play an audio recording um, and have, you know, written guidance. Uh, and as you travel through the caverns in the story, um, you'll come to points where you need to perform vocal exercises. Um, like, there's one where you have to, like, uh, hit on your chest like Tarzan 
while you um, call out. And these uh, effectively will be unlocking the doors and dispelling the illusions. Um, so like the fairies have put magic in your path to confuse you, disorient you, um, and keep you from getting to the joy that they have stolen. What an amazing concept. Wow. I'm, I'm blown away by that. That's such a, uh, huh. I love, you. I love solo play. I'm big on solo play um, in designing. I, I love designing solo games so much. It's one of my favorite things to do. The, the idea that that you're you're introducing I mean I've never played anything I've never I've never heard of anything like that but you know I it's not that I have the most I've, I've encountered every game in the world I'm, I'm a little new to like the the uh, what quote unquote um, no I'm not gonna quote unquote I'm not gonna say the the I word uh, I'm gonna say non-traditional games Um yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. Um, it's definitely different, um, and I wanted it to be a little different. Trying to think within constraints of the zine was hard, um, but I also wanted it to be something personal that mattered to me about my masculinity. Um, and uh, the the big reason why the game came about is um, so when I was growing up and like into my early twenties, I had a much deeper uh, speaking to people voice basically um but i worked at a big corporation for about seven years and over that time i was kind of shamed um and kind of pushed to use a higher pitched voice whenever i talked uh on the phone and with customers um because it was you know more professional and you know you don't sound like a girl on the phone um, and stuff like that, because at that time I was still um, assumed a woman. And um, so I basically destroyed my voice, like mm -hmm. teaching myself to talk a higher pitch all the time. Um, and to the point where I actually can't talk in my natural voice because I get anxious and my voice, my throat tightens up, which makes my voice go higher. Um, so I've been in the process of trying to teach myself a deeper voice again, which is hard and time-taking yeah. and embarrassing. And um, it stops me from doing things like showing a lot of enthusiasm and being excitable and laughing, which is why it's taking away your joy. Um, wow. Wow, that's intense. Huh. So yeah, <laughs> I've and I've I've met uh, other women in my life who have heard that same thing, where they say, you know, oh, your voice is too deep for a woman, or something like that. Um, and that's just shitty. But I mean, that's I I guess that's that's the 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 contextual you know the the context with with which some people are working sometimes i don't know um you know yeah, it's i i originally had only been going to do a brief essay um 
to frame the project. Um, but we had had some people who had health stuff, so they needed to step out mm -hmm. um, before the start of the Kickstarter. And um, at the last minute, I was just kind of like, okay, I can make a game. Like, yes. I should be able to do that because I just didn't want to try and pull somebody in all of a sudden, especially because there aren't a lot of us that are all all combination of out willing to work on a project in a short period of time and designers. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I picked that up, and um, this is it's the 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 topic that inspired it is something I've been actively struggling with, and I've been interested in doing an audio game for a while, and it finally just synced together that that would make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, we have somebody doing a twine game that's about being the protector or guardian, as well. Uh, that's Adrian Heiss. Okay. And um, so that that's going to be. Uh, another one of the unusual format to the zine uh, projects and uh, the other original game in the project. That's really cool. I like. I'm I as I'm sitting here imagining. Um, what what and I'm sorry. What's the name of your project specifically? Um, mine is Echoes. Echoes. Okay. Maybe I, maybe you didn't. I don't know if you did say it. I didn't mention it because okay. I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Brielle. I'll get you to be self-promotion. Promotory. Promoter. Promotering. Huh. Anyway, um, I I can't fucking wait to play your game. Yay. I, I, I 100% can't wait. Um, that's... That stuff that fascinates me too, um, and you know. So okay, again, not a podcast about me, um, <laughs> but um, and 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 I do want to talk a little bit about uh, you as an interviewer, like as I mentioned before, because um, I love to talk to interviewers. Um, but um, when uh, when I was growing up. Um, I would get made fun of anytime my, my voice cracked. I had a high voice and, mm -hmm. um, I was terrified. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, like I wasn't, you, you know, you show me Friday the 13th or something and I wouldn't be that, that afraid, but there were certain things that terrified me that didn't scare anybody else. And there was an episode of the Brady bunch where one of the Brady's Peter, maybe his voice started mm -hmm. changing Oh. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, it's it's known as like an episode and everything. And it terror it scared the shit out of me. Um because That's rough. Yeah, and and it was because, you know, oh, that's going to happen to you someday. So, true story, just after I turned 12, I noticed that my voice started to change. But I'd always been able Excuse me. <coughs> As I'm talking about voices, I'm losing mine. Um, leave a little pause so I know to take that out. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Hang on one second. <coughs> hmm. It's weird. Um, my my throat is closing up a little bit. And th that is kind of like 
maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm triggering something in myself. That's weird. Um, I'm going to keep going though. That's okay. Um, so here I was 12 years old. I noticed my voice starting to change and I'd always been able to do voices, uh, mm-hmm. like, like character voices and stuff like that. And I basically created a character voice for myself that was a deeper voice. And mm-hmm. that's been my speaking voice for the most part. Um, when I was learning how to sing and everything, I learned about the diaphragm and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> now I'm losing, literally losing my voice right now. <laughs> Do you want to grab a drink or something? I think I need to. I actually might need to grab my inhaler real quick. So give me, give me uh, just a minute. Sure. I'll be right back. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. No problem. So the truth is I, I made a deal with fairies to change my voice. And <laughs> I never talked about it. And <laughs> <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah. But no, that's, um, so I get that. I, I have a, I have a very a clear understanding about, you know, being told what your voice should be and everything. Um, I actually have no idea what my actual speaking voice would be. Um, partially because mm-hmm. when I was learning to sing, you know, it, it, it was changing a lot there and I was determined to like push the, the, my range as much as I could and whatnot. And, um, and then, uh, then I did a movie in 2008 and I killed my voice for almost a year. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's rough. But that being said, your game very much speaks to me. Um, on that level. Well, I hope you like the final product whenever it gets out. Um, now that we're funded, it looks like I'll be able to make it happen. I mean, I'd have probably made it anyway because that's just who I am as a person. Um, but <laughs> hey, uh, I'm I'm excited and having it as a part of a collection with like we have like so many different cool pieces that people are working on, like these archetypes that different people are doing. Um, like we have the, uh, trickster, uh, skin that someone's going to do for Apocalypse World. Ooh. And, um, that's Eli Eaton. And this is Eli's first, uh, publication, but like, I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring forward with this because he's got some great ideas. Um, but then we have two Monster Hearts skins. Nice. Uh, one is a Demi is what they're calling it. Uh, it's by Patrick Lickman. They're calling it the Demi. It's a godlike skin for Monster Arts 2. And then we have a Minotaur uh, by Alex McConaughey, who's doing that. And they're, they're making it. They're really excited about like the maze metaphor of understanding gender and everything. And I like Minotaurs, so I'm really excited about it. I love Minotaurs. One and then... Um, so. Yeah, like... I, I really like, I think they're really interesting as an archetype and like the fact that they are directly associated with masculinity so much so that we actually have a game by Paul Sega, right? The Clay That Woke. 
that's about minotaurs and masculinity. Oh, I didn't know that was about minotaurs. I knew I knew the game that it was about uh, masculinity. Oh yeah, I I uh, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous game. Um, and it it really delves into like masculine concepts of um like security and and um intimacy, and so like definitely worth checking out. Um. So when I, when uh, when Alex was like, they were like, do you, I want to do a minotaur? I was like, yes, <laughs> like <laughs> like do this. One hundred love enthusiasm. It's hey, listen, I've bought game books that I knew I wouldn't use simply because there was a cool minotaur in there. So nice. Yeah. Um, nice. Well, yeah. you'll get a cool minotaur in this. I, it's, it's funny cause well, which, uh, I have bought this. I thought I had, had backed it, but, um, it, I, I was wrong. I, I guess my Apple pay thing didn't go through. So I just backed it just now, but well, that's good. I just, you know, Hey, you're even more above. Um, <laughs> and everybody listening to this should go back it as well, uh, because it's an awesome project. Um, I'm not closing or anything. I just, Wanted to bring that up, but no, it's funny because uh, the thing that comes to mind is um, I love minotaurs and I love cyborgs. Um, nice. Yeah. So when I found um, uh, I was getting out of Champions and I played a bunch of it, but it's a complex system and I'm dyslexic, so you know. Um, but I found a book called uh, The Zodiac Conspiracy, and the leader is the Minotaur from Greece. But he's he's aged up and he's replaced a bunch of himself with cyborg parts. Um, amazing. Doesn't that sound amazing? I own that book only for the reason, it. and it has this like really nice full color uh, image of it. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I I think of that all the time because it's you know when I think of minotaurs, um, that's I, I love that there's people out there that that consider that because it's it's kind of a niche thing in that way yeah but yeah uh, um and i'm dying to play monster hearts i haven't had a chance to yet so oh really yeah i'm hoping uh in 2019 i get to go to some more um conventions because i feel like that's where my home group isn't going to play monster hearts they're just not you know i love them they're wonderful but they want to go kill stuff (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you can kill stuff in Monster Hearts. I mean, that's you know, true. I'll just be real with you. That's true. Um, that's actually... It, eventually, when we do discuss Turn in detail, um, Turn, in part, came out of why I wanted a different game than Monster Hearts. Uh, so, someday we'll get to talk about that. We will. Now, <laughs> hey, everybody, there's a teaser for an upcoming episode. <laughs> Yeah, it turns in beta right now. Like I've I've worked on it a lot, and it, this Kickstarter is kind of practice for me for, you know, doing the turn Kickstarter if I end up doing it myself. Um, and uh, like, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a game that not everybody will want to play, but it's a game that I think everyone should at least consider playing. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. That's a great. Uh... That's a great teaser. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll make sure to give you the link for that because um, I'm sure you'd like at least looking through. 
definitely. I'd love if if I get a chance if if it's possible, um, you know, I, if if you would would like me to, I'd love to be in a beta at some point. Um, Absolutely, we can try and make that happen. Yeah, I'm not that far from you. <clears throat> I realized that I was looking at your stuff and I was like, hey, yeah, you like right here. Yeah. Um. In fact, yeah. Um. So so there are many things in uh in my house right now that my wife has purchased from the Ikea near you. So yeah, that's amazing. And not like shipped, like drove down and got it. So, uh, this, this may be a, this may be a possible thing in person gaming with somebody I'm I'm doing an interview with. It's such a wonderful idea. Um, (laughs) yeah, that would be fun. Even just get you out, play a, play a session or two and see how you feel about it. I love it. Cause it's a, it's um, it's a really big deal to me. Yeah. Um. And uh, like, so I'm gonna be, we're planning to to get that into crowdfunding like October, um, after Big BadCon, where I'm going to be a guest. So. Fantastic. Where is yeah. Big BadCon? Big BadCon is actually in California, in okay. Oakland. Um. And I went last year and it was a really amazing experience. And so um, I asked uh, Sean about having me on as an actual guest this year because like I've done things <laughs> is basically how I presented it. Like I was just like, see, hey, there's a list of things you can see. Um, and uh, ended up being like just under the wire for the the top of the Kickstarter and got on so fantastic I'm really excited. you've done lots of things actually by the way like like you say you've done things you've done a lot of things which is which is fantastic one of the things you've done and we're we're nearing the end of our conversation which is very unfortunate I'm excited that we're going to have another conversation this year um, but you've interviewed people. And uh, I'm so interviewing is a skill that I found out I had after I turned 40. Um, And I'm (laughs) super angry that I found out that that was when I when then that I have that this skill. Um, The is that something that you've always been good with? Um, So I I've always like had a had a knack for asking good questions. Mm hmm. Um, I'm not super great at like, uh, synchronous, like face-to-face interviewing, um, because of health reasons for the most part, but, um, I can, I can write some really nice questions down (laughs) and, um, I, uh, I do almost all my interviews, uh, via email, um, for Thoughty and, um, I think I'm at like 200 and some now that I've done a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. (laughs) It's, it's a lot. Like, um, yesterday, literally I was like, Oh, let me, let me look through thoughty. You know, I, I'd looked through your thoughty before. Um, and I hadn't read any of the interviews and I'm like, let me, let me check out, you know, some of these interviews on here. And I, I was impressed with like, Whoa, you know, uh, I call myself an interviewer, but you are. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's it's something I really enjoy doing. 
I do it a lot, you know, to offer a platform for people who might not otherwise have one and partially just because I'm curious and want to know about the stuff that yeah. people are doing. Um, and asking questions is something I really enjoy. So um, I've been doing that since like 2013, 2012 now. Nice. And um, I do like my five or so questions and then I do quick shots that are like little three questions. Then I do some features. Um, and uh, yeah, whenever I checked the count on them the other day, I was just like, Jesus. And I mean, many of those are repeat because I've brought people back whenever they work on new projects. Um, but like at the same time, it's just like that is a lot of that's a lot of questions that I asked. I mean, I, I will say this, though, like. If I could do. If I could do five episodes of the lounge a week. I, I would. I love doing yeah. it's so much fun. And, you know. I'm, I, I don't, I mean, we have people on that, um, I don't know why I'm saying we, I'm not nobility, um, but I have people on, uh, when they're doing projects, obviously, like, like yours, <clears throat> but, um, I just like having conversations with people and, uh, yeah. I think, I think those conversations are of value. Um, do you, have you... Have you had bad interviews? Kind of. <laughs> um, so uh, most of mine are, are done online, so like through email. So I have a buffer, which is great. Um, however, um, response time can sometimes be an issue, like people taking a really long time to get back to me um, or dropping off and never responding mm -hmm. um, or like, I've once or twice I had people just give me like a sentence for a response for like every question. And I was just like, I really need more than that. If I'm going to publish this, please help. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, the biggest thing is like one, I do burn out a little bit having to hunt people down. Cause like there are people who talk all the time about, well, I'm not getting interviewed for my thing. Um, but like, don't go look at all. Um, and like, don't email me or anything like that. And I'm like, Hey, I'm here. Um, and, um, also like trying to, to like coordinate interviews can, whenever people don't respond a lot can be tough, but I think that's just the perils. Some people don't prioritize email as much as I do, I guess. I mean, I, I don't enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that as the yeah. tri tribulations that we've found out about this weekend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's, it's, I, I've only done email interviews once. Um, and it was a good experience. Um, it was my first time doing any interviews at all. <clears throat> and, um, I, I think I think you've probably gotten any idea that I that I didn't take the the standard paths that a lot of uh, that a lot of uh, gentlemen like me um, tend to take in life. So if you mm -hmm. threw a celebrity in front of me, I'd be like, "Cool, let's have a conversation." Um, yeah. But there are people in my in in the world that I uh, admire beyond all else, and one of them 
is Jim Starlin, who is the creator mm. of Thanos, best known now as the creator of Thanos. <laughs> yeah. um, he is my he's he's my absolute hero creatively. Um, he is, um, you know, he's he's created all my favorite stories and comics, and I love comics, and I grew up with comics, and learn to read from comics because I'm dyslexic. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. My first interview was with Jim Stylin. <laughs> and um That's amazing. Yeah. Um and I was super super stressed and nervous about it. And he didn't give awesome answers, but he gave some really really good answers. Like some answers weren't great, and other answers were like super good. So it's like, yeah, it balances out. Um but uh I don't know if I could do a voice interview. I don't know if I could do this with him because I'd be, um, I'd probably lose my voice the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> um, instead of, yeah, just, I, uh, face-to-face interviews are hard. Like even do you just being on podcasts is a little bit challenging for me. Um, for a lot of reasons. And, uh, I also just, um, I have issues with focus and attention and stuff like that. And, um, one of my first face-to-face interviews I ever did for Thoughty, Somebody told me their name like 30 freaking times. And as soon as it started recording, I said it wrong. <laughs> and it was a live interview. And oh. it, so it's like permanently on record that I totally fucked up their name. And I like, I can't watch the interview because it, the beginning of it just upsets me so much because I screwed it up so bad. Um, Cause like we literally went over the person's name for like five minutes beforehand. Um, because it was a, a Brazilian designer's name, and I just, oh, I'm so mad at myself. So, I I much prefer, <laughs> yeah. I much prefer paper and uh, email. So, the, but the, it it works pretty well for me. The editable <laughs> format is is there is an advantage to it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. But, uh, I get that. I mean, I've I've said people's names wrong um uh i call myself out on it like um i'm actually mm-hmm. gonna call myself out on uh i believe i misgendered you when we started this conversation um it's okay but i was referencing before i knew much about you so mm-hmm. um so i i will i i but i do i like to call myself out when when that happens and leave it in because you know Recognizing the change that's needed, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. (sighs) Bree, this has been so fun. Yes, it has been. Can we just record every day? (laughs) (laughs) If you ever want to just do some recordings and talk about stuff, I would love for it. I would love to. I, I will. I will say this though. There will probably come a point at some point this fall where my wife will want to go down to Pittsburgh. And go to, to, um, and go to uh, IKEA. Mm-hmm. I will let you know when that is, and whatever it may be, if it's if it's just you know uh, uh, the four of us getting together and having a meal, uh, if it's playing yeah. games, whatever it might be, um, that will happen. So, that sounds great. I love that. I love it. Um, and you made me cry. 
You didn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you didn't make me cry. Um, the world made me cry, and we cried together. So, um, this has been. This has one been of. really great, though. So, so thank you for having me. Of course. Um, did you need a final pitch delivery for me of the, the the project or anything? You know what? I I I um I do an intro and an outro and uh, and then I put everything in the show notes. Um. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So we can take care of that. But I do, uh, I do have a closing line, and um, and despite uh, you know, uh, I I have, uh, I'm gonna ask if you could just let the audience know. To stay classy. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I can do that. All right, go for it. All right. Do you refer to them as the audience, or are there any little nicknames you use? I've been saying folks. I haven't come up with a cool name for them yet. All right. Well, hey, all to you lizards out there in the lounge, stay classy. <laughs> that so much oh oh that's so good oh. yep that's gonna happen okay good <laughs>